Hey, I'm Ben Ramos, and I get the privilege of serving here as the senior pastor. We are a church all about the authentic power of God coupled with sound theology. Because God's given us his inerrant, infallible word, and in it, he calls us to be people who are filled by his Holy Spirit, people who are empowered by his Holy Spirit, and people who are led by his Holy Spirit. As a local congregation, God's called us to help people take steps in their relationship with Jesus, to see them rise from death to life and glory to glory. I just want to thank you guys so much for joining us today. I truly pray and I hope that this message would be an encouragement to you and your life, that it would help you to recognize that the mission field is all around you and that it would help you to take steps in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed. One of the the things that sometimes we kind of lose in uh, Pentecostal charismatic uh, churches is simply the washing over of the word, simply reading the word and allowing God to speak through it. And so I want to, this is going to seem out of usual for our culture, but I just want to read through like a full chapter and then some. Um, And I think the Lord's going to speak through that on individual levels, and then we'll go into some breaking down of it. But if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to turn to Matthew chapter five. I did not give this to the team because it's, it'd be a whole lot of words for you to uh, try and keep up with. Um, but we all have access to Bibles um, on our phones or, or in here. So I'm gonna just start in Matthew chapter five. It says, seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain And when he sat down, his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and he taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand and it gives light to all, the, all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven." Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. 
I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. You have heard it said to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and put you in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lessful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go to hell. It is also said, whoever divorces his wife let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you, everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those, who, uh, to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath, at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is the footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be, simple, be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. You have heard it said, that an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs to you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, 
so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rains on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from, father, from your father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received the reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who's in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So then pray like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for how it washes over us. Thank you for how it is a light into our path, a light into our feet. Father, thank you for how it directs our life. Thank you for this, uh, this direction that you've given us through it. And Holy Spirit, we do ask this morning that you would teach. Teach each of us, speak to each of us, grow each of us. We want to be transformed. We want to continue to be conformed into the image of Jesus. Help us to look more and more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. When I was in high school, uh, I made a number of decisions that led to me becoming addicted to Oxycontin. Uh, it's an opioid prescription painkiller. Um, I, I hid it from those who were closest to me uh, until I couldn't hide it anymore. And it was during that time in my life when I got married. My wife had no idea um, that I was using. She had no idea that uh, I was using all of our money for this. She had no idea that I was selling our stuff for this. And it all came to light. And I gave my life to Jesus and Jesus set me free from this addiction. But damage had been done and our actions have consequences. 
I had lied for years. I had pretended something to be something that I wasn't at all and then lied to cover it up. And that eventually became too much and she found comfort in another man, which eventually led to the complete destruction of our marriage. As I think about that today, it's one of the most painful memories that I have. Um, I remember that night texting my friend Trevor and we went, uh, I was gonna go meet him at the town center. And so I, I went down there. I didn't have anything else to do. So I was really early and I was just in so much pain. I remember sitting in my car and just screaming at the top of my lungs and crying and snot probably on the win- windows and just all over and I'm hitting the steering wheel. And then I look up and someone is in a car across from me just watching me do this. Uh, <laughs> It was painful and it was embarrassing, but eventually what had to take place as we've been talking about in this series is I had to walk through forgiveness. I I had to walk through forgiveness. Now I I had to walk through forgiveness for her, uh, for myself, uh, but then I also had to walk through forgiveness for this other man, which was a little bit harder of a thing for me to do. Um, it would have been easier if it was someone who was completely outside of the situation, but this was someone who knew what was going on and intentionally put himself into the situation and, and, and intentionally placed himself so that he would be that shoulder to cry on. So he would be that person. And I was very, very angry. I was very, I mean, to the point, I knew exactly where he parked. I knew exactly where the cameras were. I knew exactly how to soak a rag in some flammable material, how to perfectly put it into the gas tank so that air would be able to get to it and ignition would take place. I knew exactly how two ignition points would be better so I would break a window and take a Molotov cocktail and throw it in so that there would be these two places for explosion and there would be complete destruction. But I also knew that being a follower of Jesus, I I couldn't act in this way. I couldn't, I couldn't do it if I was to have a true heart of forgiveness. Here's what we've defined a heart of forgiveness as. It's a heart that resists revenge. It does not return evil for evil. It wishes them well. It grieves at their calamities. It is praying for their welfare. It is seeking reconciliation so far as it depends on you. It is coming to their aid in distress so I couldn't act in this specific way if, if I was to walk in forgiveness. But here's what I've been pondering. Should I do something past just forgive? Where is, where's the biblical flow from forgiveness into justice? Justice would be making sure that this doesn't happen again. Because when I evaluate it, like that was a part of my heart. I want to explode this person's truck so that he understands that he can't do this again. But there was also a big part in my heart where I was saying, I need you to, I, I, I need you to get paid back, right? It was a place of vengeance for me. We'll come back to it. Uh, some years later, I was involved in a ministry in a neighborhood. And as I came into this neighborhood, you could quickly see who the people of influence were. 
And there was one person of influence who had the most influence there. And this person was a proclaimed Christian. Said, I'm a follower of Jesus. Everyone knew this about that person. The problem being was that this person didn't have any spiritual authorities. Uh, This person did not believe um, in the teaching of scripture or in people coming together and worshiping Jesus. They didn't, uh, they didn't really believe in people taking steps in Jesus. It was, just, it was just a title for him. And that became a problem for me. Again, I, it, it, there was like a, an anger that rose up in me that said, I need to expose this person. And I, do need, I need to tell everybody about this person. And then I identified the vengeance in me. You need to pay for what you've done. You need to pay for what you're doing. And so where's, where's the line between me being forgiving and can I be someone who walks in forgiveness while still seeks to do right, while still seeks to do justice? Let me try one more. A few years later, uh, an organization uh, had been being led in a way where the money was not being stewarded properly, where thousands of dollars had been laundered, probably millions. And when questions were asked, it was all covered up. Lies, lies were told. People didn't ask a whole lot of questions. There were people chosen to be a part of the leadership team to uh, be like this facade of accountability. And in order for all of this to take place, it had to be developed over time and it had to develop this culture, this culture around it of manipulation, this culture around it of gossip, of lying. And so as the financial stuff eventually got cleared up, uh, then there was the uh, the whole process of redeveloping a healthy culture. And again, that made me angry. That made me really angry. Like I, I had a plan, in, like inside, I, ha, I had this plan. I, I know people at the newspaper. Um, I know people on Facebook, right? I, 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 can, I can put this on blast, y'all. Like I can make sure everyone knows about this, like not even just where we're at, but on like a global scale. I, I, but could I do it? And what should, what should I do? Right? These are some very real questions that we ought to be asking because this is just stories from my life. But as we look at like the stories going on in the world around us, we think of the different ministry failures as, as well as just personal stuff. But we have like the Carl Lentz and the Ravi Zacharias things. And like, what are we supposed to do about this? And as we're walking through life and we're hurt by other people, where's the line between forgiveness and, and justice? What's the biblical flow between forgiveness and, and justice? Because I've just got this chip in me. I've got this thing in me that says, if someone's doing something wrong, that has to stop. I can't, I can't just let this keep going. And so is, is, that just, is that just a Ben thing? Is that a Bible thing? Is that a Jesus thing? And so I want to uh, delve into scriptures just a little bit. I want to assure you that it is a Bible thing. Uh, Micah 6, 8 says that he has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? 
That's some strong words. What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? But where's the flow? Where's the flow from forgiveness? Is this just a one-sided thing or is there multiple aspects of it? Because I seem to hear within Christianity and within different circles, different focuses and different areas in the Bible, right? So there's, there's this one, uh, which you can continue to see in like Genesis 18, where God has called Abraham. He says, I, I, I'm calling you to be this nation, this, this people group, this, this set apart people. And I want everyone to look to you. I want everyone to look to you as, as to what it, what it looks like to be in relationship with me. And uh, he gives them, there's some direction there. In Genesis 18, 19, speaking of Abraham, it says, for I have chose him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord. Now, someone asked the question, what does the way of the Lord look like? What does the way of the Lord look like? Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Good tone too. That That was perfect. By doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he had promised him. The word here, the words here used in the Hebrew is zedekah. This is righteousness. In other words, it's, a, it's an ethical standard for having right relationships with people. It's a way of living that says, I will treat others as the image bearers of God that they are. I will choose to see people as being created in the image of God and I will treat them as such. This is Zedekah. This is righteousness. This is one of the marks of the people of God. And then there's justice. This is the Hebrew word mishpat. It's to advocate for the vulnerable or, uh, and change social structure to prevent injustice. And so it, it, it is to look and to view people as people created in the image of God and then to recognize when people are not being treated as the image of God to address that. Okay, righteousness and justice. But that's just one side of the argument. What do we do when we get to places like this in Matthew, which we just read from? When it says, when Jesus says, well, you've heard it said that an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, don't resist the one that's evil. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him on the other also. And if anyone would sue you take your, and take your tunic, leave to him your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. And so I, this seems rather problematic for me because on one side, I'm supposed to recognize when people are not being treated as the image bearer of God that they are and do something about that but this seems to be saying that I shouldn't be doing anything about it and that I should like invite it. So the question really is, is that what Jesus is saying here? Or the real question that I feel like today that we ought to answer is, can we be a people who walk in forgiveness and walk in justice? And what ought that to look like in our our life? It's a big issue because I've I've... I've seen this, uh, this divide take place in the big C church and all around the world. I've, I've seen how churches have come to things like this and said, well, the Old Testament God and the New Testament God do not look the same. 
And so we must divide the Old Testament from the New Testament. And so we must no longer take the Bible as God's actual word. And they move now to a, uh, a, a social movement and a, a mystic mysticism type stuff. I've, I've seen this take place. I've seen this as the very reason why people my age don't like to be a part of the church because we're not caring about people. They're not, we're not doing justice. I've, I've seen it. And so is, is this really what Jesus is saying here? If we approach this while we uh, like in eisegetical terms, when we look at this and we just grab from this, I suppose we could say, well, if anyone ever does anything bad to us, uh, then we should not do anything to stop it. And we should just let it, let it keep going. Like I, I could see how people would read that. But as studiers of the scripture, we've got to be those people who would read the Bible exegetically. That means we have to read context. We have to understand that there are things that were said before this. There are things that are being said right now. And there are things that are being said after it. And not only that, but there's an actual context to the people. They have a background. They have an upbringing. When Jesus is saying these things, he's actually thinking. uh, He actually knows what they're thinking. And so when we read this, we have to ask the question. Let's uh, look at verse 38. It says, you have heard it said. Well, where would they have heard it said? And what would they have understood from what they are hearing uh, when they're hearing this? It goes back to Deuteronomy 19. And I'm just going to read this verses 15 through 21. It says, A single witness shall not suffice against a person for any crime, for any wrong in connection with any offense that he has committed. Only on the evidence of two witnesses or three witnesses shall a charge be established. If a malicious witness arises to accuse a person of wrongdoing, then both parties to dispute shall appear before the the Lord, before the priests and the judges who are in office in those days. The judges shall inquire diligently. And if the witness is a false witness and has accused his brother falsely, then you shall do to him as he had meant to do to this brother. You shall purge the evil from your midst. You shall, uh, and the rest shall hear and fear and shall never again commit any such evil among you. Your eye shall not pity. It shall be life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. So what's being said here? There's a false witness that is coming up and saying, person A did this to person B when they didn't actually see the thing or they're just making this up. And they're saying that they should have the same punishment that this person would have received. Roger that? 10-4? Who? Ron? Okay. Um, The important thing to recognize here is that this punishment was supposed to go through the priest and the judge. It was never supposed to be them making this judgment. And, and that's what's began to take place in the culture. It's become this culture of saying, oh, look, look here, you're not living that righteous. Check this out. You, you messed up there, you messed up there, you messed up there. And it's a continual pointing out of these, these little things. Right? What Jesus is saying is that you're constantly watching other people and you're seldom addressing your own relationship with God. So he's trying to bring them back to this place of the order of operations. Another way to say this, um, you are constantly trying to fix everyone else 
you're constantly trying to do justice, but you're seldom addressing yourself, your righteousness. We've got to get back to the order of operations if we want to do this right. Anyone got a calculator on your phone? If, if someone could pull this out, Tony, you're my guy. All right, pull up this equation here. So if we did three to the fourth power, three exponent four, so that would be three times three, which is nine, nine times three, which is 27, 27 times three, which is 81, 81 plus two, that's the hard one, 83. So that's one answer. If you use the correct uh, order of operations, what is it? PEMDAS or please excuse my dear Aunt Sally? Right? What is it? Uh, What is it? Parentheses? Exponent? Multiplication? Division? Addition? So, So if you want to get this right, you've got to do this in the correct order of operations. And it's the same thing when it comes to justice. You want to do justice right, you've got to do it in the correct order of operations. Write it down. Yes. So this whole teaching is summarized. This whole Sermon on the Mount can be summarized by conduct your life in the order of operations, which is what? Love God, love people, right? Start here, now go here. Start here, now go here. And so we continue to see this develop throughout his teaching here in Matthew 5.44. He says, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Why? Because it's, it's a part of my heart. I've got to address my heart first, my heart with Jesus first. We've got to get our focus back on our own perspective of us and us and God. And then he goes on to talk a little bit more about justice. Did you guys catch that in Matthew 6? Starting in verse 1, he says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who's in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy. In other words, that's recognizing that there is somebody there who is made in the image of God and they're having to live with less. They don't have what they need. And so to do righteousness, is, uh, to do justice is to make sure that that person has, has what they need. But again, Jesus goes back to the heart of, of this in, this in this passage. He goes back to the heart. Why do you think that is? Because you've got to have your heart right. You've got to have your heart right. I think we've eliminated this idea that justice isn't for today. Um, and that justice was just an Old Testament concept. But what does justice actually look like? And I know this will fall a little bit short if you're looking for very specifics in the world of social justice today and other types of justice. This, this message will fall short in giving some specifics, but I, I think this gets us a, a, a clear start. It gets us going in the right direction. So what is justice? Justice is to make right. It's to make it right. What's wrong? Well, we got we to make it right. We see justice being taken, taking place in Acts chapter six. 
in the early church as they're developing and they're this example of, of what we can look like as a spirit-empowered church. And there's this moment where there's these Greek leaders or these Greek women who are not being provided for. There's this whole people group that's been marginalized and thrown to the side. And so people come to the leadership and they say, look, look at what's taking place. And then a team is developed to empower them to take care of that. Now, I really want us to pay attention here because as we're going to do justice, here's oftentimes the way it looks um, within, within the church. You often see people bringing it to the leaders and then they get mad because the leaders didn't see it. Or you'll see people bring the issues to the leaders and say, okay, now go do something about it, leader. Right? I think... The thing that we have to recognize is that the goal is not to get everyone to look like this. The goal is not to get everyone doing this one piece of justice. You'll, if you read back to Acts chapter six, what you're gonna see is the leaders say, well, we shouldn't give up our time in prayer and our time in preparation and our time in preaching. So what we're gonna do is we're going to recognize this as an opportunity. So if there's a need, that's an opportunity for the church to be the church. That's an opportunity for the church to rise up and be the people that they're called to be. So the goal is not to get everyone to look like this. The goal is to get people to be where God is calling them to be doing what God is calling them to do. That way the body actually functions as it was, as it was intended. So what does this look like? Let's just continue to break this down. And I'm, I'm hoping you're getting some stuff through here, but um, what does it look like for God to walk through, be forgiving, and yet be walking out justice? What, is, what does that look like? I wanna hit a few more verses here. In Hebrews chapter eight, verse 12 says, for I will be merciful towards their iniquities. Someone say, that's me. Yeah, yeah, that's me. For I will be merciful toward their iniquity. Thank you, Jesus. And I will remember their sins no more. Okay, I will remember their sins no more. Hebrews uh, chapter 12, a few chapters later, verses six and 10 says, those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. Here's the question. How does he discipline if he completely forgot all of those things that we've done? Those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. He scourges every son whom he receives. Our earthly fathers disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for good that we may share in his holiness. Right? This, this is not referring to a spiritual amnesia. This is not a complete doing away with. This is choosing to view us through the blood of Jesus Christ. This is choosing to view us through the work on the cross. It's forgiveness, yet it is also justice. I want to show you one more place. Uh, David, remember uh, David did some nasty sins. He walked in adultery. Uh, he murdered. And then Nathan, my homeboy Nathan, calls him out. He says in 2 Samuel twelve thirteen. David said to Nathan, I've sinned against the Lord. It's really important to recognize your sin and declare it. 
I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die. So that's been set aside, right? But in the very next verse, it says uh, in 2 Samuel 2.14, nevertheless, because by this deed, you have utterly scorned the Lord, the child who is born to you shall die. So the presence of forgiveness does not mean the absence of consequence. The presence of forgiveness does not mean the absence of consequences. Consequences are a part of chastisement. They're a part of correction. They're necessary for our growth. Consequences are a part of justice. So where's, where's that line? Listen, if forgiveness is not the prerequisite to justice, vengeance becomes the focus. Right? Because now I'm recognizing you did something wrong. You did something wrong and I'm just gonna, I'm gonna make you pay for it. I'm gonna make sure you know that you're wrong. But our order of operations must be, first, I'm going to the Lord and I'm gonna forgive this person. Why? Because I've been forgiven. Because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all been forgiven by the blood of Jesus as we would step into that in, in faith. I'm, I'm going to forgive that person. And then we can walk into justice. But if we don't have this order of operations right, then it becomes vengeance. So it starts, it starts with us. It starts with, as Jonathan said earlier, um, taking every thought captive. It starts with uh, being slow to speak and quick to listen. It takes, it, 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 it looks like, well, it looks like what Jesus looked like. He only did what he saw the father doing and he only spoke what he heard the father speaking. How? How? Because every, every thought was taken captive and processed through the God lens, through the father lens. And this is what we are called to walk in, to look like Jesus in this way of grabbing every thought that comes through before any word comes out before, before any action or reaction comes out, we're going to process it through, through the, the God lens that we are wearing. And we put that on every single day, every single day that we wake up. When we say, Jesus, you're still my Lord. Jesus, you are still the director of my life. You're my master. I want to follow you. So going from forgiveness to justice in, in those situations in my own life. I had to forgive each of those situations and then walk into justice. What did that look like for me? I'll give you uh, just some brief answers. For the guy who I wanted to blow his car apart, um, there's a, a calling out of sin and uh, um, a calling them towards righteousness, towards repentance. And then there's also what I'm going to do on a systematic level, on a, a structural level. There's leading people to live lives where trusted biblical voices can speak into them. Because I know that if that person was walking with people who can be led and listen to uh, uh, sound people who believe in the Bible, that they would have told them not to do that, right? So I'm, I'm going to live a life where I'm going to build a structure where people 
can live this out and have biblical voices speaking to them. I'm going to uh, lead men to steward their relationships. I'm going to lead people to be able to receive reproof and correction. Uh, For that person who I wanted to call a fraud, justice again looked like calling out individual sin. It also looks like me stepping in and leading people to evaluate life by the Bible, to see the importance of gathering together, to see the importance of studying the Bible and being good, uh, uh, reading the Bible in good exegesis. We want to lead people to going after kingdom fruit. And then for the mishandling of money and the cultural backlash, I'm doing my best to be teaching and leading uh, as an example of someone who's living in the light. Uh, I'm, I'm constantly just exposing my own, my own brokenness um, and just calling it out, living that before other people and allowing other people to call that out in me. And not just allowing it, because I think there's a difference between just allowing people to speak into your life and constantly inviting it. Hey, what do you see? What do you see in my life? Do you see anything in my life that is not of Jesus? Come on, I want to I grow. I'm teaching and leading as an example of um, people who call me to sin, as I just said. Uh, we're cutting out uh, any gossip or slander. We're uh, building, a, a, building a, a, a movement that's not built upon one person. It's built upon, it's built upon Jesus. And we're uh, continuing to build culture that's based on biblical kingdom fruit. So I think the big thing that I want us to recognize is this order of operations. As, as we see all the injustice going around, our, our like natural response is, I'm, I'm gonna make you pay, I'm gonna make this stop, I'm gonna go after it, I'm gonna kick down doors, I'm gonna do all these things. But our first thing, our first priority in this order of operations needs to be, I am right with God and I'm seeing this through a biblical lens. After all, that is kind of the flow within this scripture, isn't it? And worship, if you could come up and help me close this thing up. The flow here within these scriptures is Jesus going into the Father's prayer. Uh, the Lord's Prayer. And so what, do we, uh, what does this, this prayer look like? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? So what this is, is recognizing what is wrong. What is wrong in this world around us? Going in and seeing heaven's reality. Right? So what is it gonna look like in heaven? No more sickness, no more disease, no more people uh, dying in gutters, no more people not having food, no more, right? All of this stuff. And then we ask the question, God, what do you want me to do within your will? This is your will on, in heaven, and we want that to be done on earth. And so what's my role in that? And this is how we live it out. So we forgive because we've been forgiven. You've been freely given it, so you freely give it. This is practicing righteousness. We align our hearts with God's through a biblical lens. We continue to be sharpened and held accountable with wise, spirit-filled, spirit-led men and women. We identify God's will for the situation as it would be in heaven. We address it in our own lives 
And then we address it in the lives around us and we continue to build that structure. Father, I, I, I pray that you would help us to see. I didn't go super practical and super precise because I know that that is going to be different for every other person. But I believe that you can go super specific and super precise right here, right now, and every day moving forward as we would choose to put on this mindset of seeing your kingdom will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so God, I pray that you'd speak to us. Show us the ways that we can be walking out justice. Show us the the structures that we need to be building. Show us the people we need to be helping and loving. And you know, one of the things the Lord was showing me as I was preparing for this was that uh, in the last message, we were talking about forgiveness. And the Lord began to do some, uh, help walk you through some forgiveness. You were forgiving some people. And God was saying, I'm not done yet. I'm not done with that yet. And so we just pray, God, that you'd continue to walk us through this process of forgiveness so that we could say that we actually have a heart of forgiveness. God, I, I, I know that I still have some areas in my life that I need to walk through forgiveness more completely. And so I just yield to you right now and I say, I choose to forgive. I choose to live in your way because you are the Lord of my life. Jesus, lead us, fill us afresh with your spirit as we would go, as we would go and be this light to the world around us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us. If you have been blessed by Rise Church, be sure to follow us and share it on your social media. You can subscribe to a podcast. And if you haven't had a chance to give yet, you can do so at risechurchid.org or send a text message with a cash amount to the number 84321. And remember that the mission field is all around you. So go in the power of Jesus and bring that transformation for his glory.